in uh, the book of Psalms, we have Psalm 137, which is a psalm that was written by someone. It wasn't David, of course. It was a someone inspired by the Holy Spirit who was there uh, at Babylon during the time of the captivity. So this particular psalm refers to uh, their feelings, their discouragement over what had happened and what was going on right then. I wonder if any of us in this room tonight have ever been discouraged. Perhaps we have from time to time, or perhaps uh, we may even go a little bit beyond discouragement sometimes and maybe even deal with depression sometimes. Some folks do. And so when we see things happening perhaps in our own family or in our own lives or in the world, things can get a little bit discouraging. And this is what they were going through. We can understand why they felt that way as we'll go through this passage tonight. But what I want you to do is to think with me about how to deal with discouragement. And if you're one of those very blessed persons who's never much had to deal with discouragement, you're blessed. And I mean that sincerely. It's wonderful. But you surely know other people who face discouragement from time to time. And perhaps uh, this message will be an encouragement to you to help them as you have opportunity to do so. So we're talking tonight about dealing with discouragement. And we begin at Psalm 137, starting to read at verse 1. We'll just read all the way through the entire psalm and then go back through it. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yes, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there, those who carried us away captive asked of us a song, and those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? For if I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. Remember, O Lord, against the sons of Edom, the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it or destroy it. Raise it to its very foundation. O daughter of Babylon, who are to be destroyed. Happy the one who repays you as you have served us. Happy the one who takes and dashes your little ones against the rock. A rather gruesome way to end a psalm. But this is what um, the inspired word of God gives us tonight, and we want to see what God has to say to us about it. In dealing with discouragement, if you got your outline handy there, let me ask you to look at the point number one, and you fill in the blank word there is recognize. Recognize the source. If a person is feeling discouraged, if perhaps you're feeling discouraged, recognize the source. That is, where does it come from? What would be the reason that you might be feeling discouraged? As far as the Hebrews were concerned, these Jews who had been driven out of their home, taken out of Judea and Jerusalem and taken to Babylon, they had experienced many kinds of losses. They had lost their land. They had lost their homes. 
Many of them had lost family members who had been killed uh, or who died during the siege of uh, Jerusalem by the Babylonians. They had lost their temple, the center of uh, Jewish worship. They had lost many, many things that had been familiar to them and that they loved. And to most of them, it was a huge surprise because many of their leaders kept telling them, God is going to deliver us. He is not going to allow the Babylonians to destroy our city. After all, this city of Jerusalem holds a temple, and the temple is holy to God. God called Solomon to build this temple, and God would never let it be destroyed, even though God had sent them prophets like Jeremiah and others who said to the people there, repent or God is going to bring judgment upon the city. He's going to destroy the city. He'll destroy the temple. And everything that you know and love about Jerusalem and Judea is going to be taken away from you. But they did not believe the word of God. They did not believe the prophets. And therefore, because they continued to sin, they continued in their idolatry and their greed and uh, all of the sins that they were guilty of. God eventually did what he promised through the prophets that he would do. And he sent the wicked king Nebuchadnezzar uh, with his army and surrounded and laid siege to Jerusalem for three years. And the people who were inside slowly had a noose uh, tightened around their city, around their neck, until finally the walls of Jerusalem were breached and the Babylonian army came in. They destroyed the city. They tore down the walls. They burned the gates and they tore down that beautiful temple that had been built by Solomon that was overlaid with gold that could be seen from miles and miles away. That temple was destroyed because of the idolatry of the people of God who would not believe him. But now they are in a POW camp hundreds and hundreds of miles away from home suffering as captives to the Babylonian army. So what are some characteristics of a person who is discouraged or perhaps even experiencing some depression? I think of it using three words, sleeping, weeping, and keeping. If you'd like to write those words down, they kind of help me think about what some of the symptoms are for a person who is discouraged or perhaps depressed. First of all, they're sleeping. Somebody who's discouraged, really discouraged, uh, sleeps, although it could be one of two extremes. I mean, everybody sleeps, but hopefully, uh, normally we sleep whatever number of hours that you normally sleep, whether it's eight or nine or seven or four. It depends on your sleep patterns and so on, how much sleep you need. But if you sleep regularly, that's wonderful. But if you're discouraged or if you may be depressed, you either sleep too much or too little. Sleeping too much means you sleep uh, many, many hours during the night and also during the day. You just don't have any energy. You just don't want to do anything. You're just down. You're discouraged. And you don't have any energy. The opposite of that would be not to be able to sleep at all just to maybe be able to go to sleep, but then wake up 
in a couple of hours and then can't go back to sleep after that. Now, I know that sometimes that happens as the people get older. I've heard rumors of that. Uh, <laughs> I have it once in a while myself, but uh, usually I sleep pretty well. Uh, but, but there are times when a person is really feeling down or discouraged or, or uh, depressed that they really can't sleep. They're just maybe tied up in knots. They have such anxiety. Uh, they just, uh, their stomach is all uh, messed up or they're, they've got headaches. There's all kinds of physical manifestations that can happen in a person's life if they've got stresses in their life uh, that they really feel like they have no control over. And therefore, their body tends to demonstrate those stresses and they either sleep, seems like all the time, or they just can't get to sleep at all. So that's the sleeping part of it. Secondly, there's the weeping part of it. And here's what they say here in verse number one, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yes, we wept when we remembered Zion. They would just have seasons of weeping. They would sit down by the river. And there would be trees nearby. They, they brought their harps with them, their musical instruments from Jerusalem, but they did not feel like playing. And uh, ancient Jews as well as present day Jews are a singing people. They love music. They love to sing. They have their musical instruments, although many times they sing a cappella. They have wonderful songs to sing. They sing many scripture verses and songs, and they would, they would sing many wonderful songs. In fact, as you know, we've got an entire book in the Old Testament called Psalms, which is a book of songs or hymns that uh, many are, are, were set to music back in the day, and they can be set to music in our day as well. Uh, but uh, people who are greatly discouraged or people who are depressed they, they weep. Now, everybody weeps from time to time. At least most people do. Uh, maybe you weep a lot for various reasons. Maybe it's hard for you to weep uh, or whatever it is. But if you're discouraged or, dis or depressed, uh, that weeping can be quite continuous. And um, I know from experience, and I'm sure most of you in this room have experienced some kind of personal loss, whether loss of a spouse or a sibling uh, or uh, something else like that, or maybe a job or a marriage, and, um, and it just something will trigger you. You seem to be doing okay, and then all of a sudden, something just out of the blue hits you, and you just start weeping again. And that's just part of a grieving process. Uh, but also, if a person is just in a situation where there is, seems to be just so much pressure, and they let out that emotional upheaval uh, through tears and through weeping. There's nothing wrong with weeping. It is, it, is, it is a blessing of God to be able to weep. But if it is continuous and ongoing, that's a sign that there's something that's not really exactly right with a person. And then, so it's, it's sleeping, it's weeping, and then it's keeping. And what I mean by that is that people who are discouraged or distressed or depressed will keep things, they will hold on to things that they should let go of. Things such as guilt or anger or hurt or unforgiveness. All these things and others are things that people 
perhaps have experienced and may be a part of why they feel the way they do. But they'll never get beyond it as long as they're keeping these things, as long as they're holding on to guilt that, that they have. Maybe it's legitimate guilt. Maybe they did something wrong. And that has caused them to be discouraged or depressed. But a person can't continually live in guilt. You can't keep that and hold on to it every day of your life. If you do, it's just a recipe for disaster in your own life. Or anger because of what happened. Either what you did or what somebody did to you or just because of an accident that happened. Uh, and, and you're feeling the impact of it. Or there's hurt because someone is, that you love has hurt you and it's really gotten you discouraged. Or you need to forgive someone and you know you should, but it's just hard. And so you're holding on to that unforgiveness. A person who holds on to these things, instead of turning loose of them, God's way is going to continue in this pattern and this cycle. They may get better for a while, but it'll come back to get them again. By the rivers of Babylon, said the psalmist, we sat down and yes, we wept. We were so upset. We were so discouraged. We just did not want to be here. We don't want to be in Babylon. We want to be back in our home. We want things the way they used to be. I can't believe this has happened to me. Can't believe it's happened to my family. Can't believe it's happened to us. The people of God, what are we doing in Babylon? And yet that's where they were. And that's what they were dealing with. They had to recognize the source. Why were they feeling like that? Verse two, we hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there those who carried us away captive asked of us a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. And as I said, the Jews are are musical people and they brought their musical instruments with them to Babylon. They played the harps and they sang, but they couldn't do it there. They were captives. They were taunted by the Babylonians. Come on, Jews. Come on, people. Sing us the songs of Zion. All of these wonderful songs that you sang all of these songs about how great God is and how beautiful Jerusalem is and how wonderful the temple is. Sing us some of the songs of Zion. Sing us songs about Jerusalem. Sing us those songs that you love so much. They were in the midst, not only of having been taken captive and taken to a foreign land, they were being mocked and ridiculed and made fun of by those people who held them captive. So they needed to recognize the source. Why were they feeling like that? And we need to recognize the source, whatever it may be. Recognize what has caused a person to feel the way they feel. Number two, in dealing with discouragement, Remember the blessings. Sometimes when we get discouraged, we think everything has always been bad. And it's always going to be bad. If we get down far enough, we just don't see any light 
either ahead of us or even behind us. Look at verses four through six. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. Here are these Hebrew people. They're saying, we're not, we don't feel like singing. We're in a foreign land. We're captives. The Babylonians are treating us awfully. We don't feel like singing. How can we sing about the goodness and how can we praise the goodness of God while we are here in this place, in this foreign land? We, we are captives. So how can we sing? They had hung up their harps on the trees and they said, we, we can't sing. We're too discouraged. We're, we're too down and out. But then they say, if I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. They were remembering Jerusalem, and they needed to do that to give them some hope. They needed to remember what it used to be like, not that they could ever go back to the way it used to be. A lot of times we have a longing to go back to the way things used to be. And usually that's not possible. Usually things have changed and usually things will be different. Maybe it can be somewhat like it used to be. But God moves us along and God moves other people along as well. And things will probably never be like they used to be. In some ways, things will get worse. Some ways, things can get better. But it's good to remember the blessings of God. And they said, if I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. He's talking there about playing a harp. He, they were skilled at playing the harp with the right hand. And also, they were skilled in singing. He said, if I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. In other words, let me not sing at all. If I don't remember Jerusalem, I long for Jerusalem. I want to go back to Jerusalem. I want things to be like they used to be. They won't be like they used to be. But you can remember the goodness and blessings of God. And when a person is discouraged and down, that's what they need to do. They need to remember the goodness of God. Things weren't always like they are now. And things won't always be like they are now. God has a plan and purpose for every person's life, and God is moving that person. He's moving me. He's moving you in the path that he wants us to go. And if we can grab hold of that truth and recognize that in the midst of whatever it is we're going through, God has not abandoned us. He was as much there in Babylon with his people as he had been in Jerusalem with them as well. And when we get discouraged, we tend to forget that. We tend to long for the way things used to be instead of recognizing that the God of heaven who sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to suffer, bleed, and die on a cross for us rose from the dead after he was buried, ascended to the Father, and is coming again, that he is still with us regardless of what is going on, and he will see you through. So remember the blessings. 
But then thirdly, release the grievance. Release the grievance. Look with me at verses seven through nine. Remember, O Lord, against the sons of Edom, the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it, raise it to its very foundation. Now here's where I want you to turn to our passage in Ezekiel chapter 35, and we're going to read verses one through six. Ezekiel 35 and the first part of 36 is one long sermon from Ezekiel about a country called Edom and a people called the Edomites. And we'll, I'll describe those for you in a minute. Let's read Ezekiel 35, starting at verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Mount Seir. Now that's a mountain in an area known as Edom and prophesy against it, and say to it, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O Mount Seir, I am against you. I will stretch out my hand against you and make you most desolate. I shall lay your cities waste, and you shall be desolate. Then you shall know that I am the Lord." Because you have had an ancient hatred and have shed the blood of the children of Israel by the power of the sword at the time of their calamity, when their iniquity came to an end, therefore as I live, says the Lord God, I will prepare you for blood and blood shall pursue you since you have not hated blood, that word means bloodshed there, therefore bloodshed shall pursue you. You. Here is the word of God that came to Ezekiel about this ancient people called the Edomites, who were contemporaries with the Hebrews. Now, let me give you a little Bible history here. That is, who are the Edomites? The Edomites were descendants of Esau. You remember Jacob and Esau, the twins, uh, the uh, sons of Isaac and Rebekah. It's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and Esau. Rebecca uh, was having trouble during her pregnancy, and she couldn't figure out why. She asked the Lord, what's going on? If everything is okay, why, why is this happening to me? And the Lord uh, spoke to her and said, you've got uh, two nations, two peoples in your womb, and uh, they are at enmity with each other. You remember the story, Jacob and Esau, Esau, Esau uh, was uh, the firstborn. He was the older one. And his name means uh, hairy. He was a hairy dude, even when he was born. And um, then his brother Jacob was born after him. And when Jacob was born, he, you remember, he was holding on to his brother's heel. And so they named him Jacob. And the word Jacob means the one who grabs your heel one who sneaks up behind you and trips you up. And that describes the relationship that Jacob and Esau had practically their entire lives. Many years later, they would eventually reconcile, but they were at odds 
between each other. You remember that Jacob uh, cheated his brother out of his birthright and then later uh, out of his blessing. He stole his birthright and cheated him out of his blessing by dressing up as his brother and taking in uh, a bowl of food to his father Esau, uh, father Isaac. He he got uh, Esau's blessing and Esau hated him because of that. And he said, after the days of mourning are over, after Jacob died, I'm going to kill my brother. Rebecca said, I can't let that happen. So she sent uh, her brother off, or her son off rather, uh, to find a wife uh, with uh, some relatives. And they were at odds for all those years. Finally, Jacob uh, came back uh, to his home and Esau met him uh, with the 400 men. They thought there was going to be a big battle, a big war, but uh, they kind of reconciled at that point, and Esau went his way, and Jacob went his way. But even though the brothers reconciled, their clans really never did, and there was always hatred between them. In fact, if you'll look again at this chapter, Ezekiel 35 and verse 5, because you have had an ancient hatred, this hatred demonstrated itself in a lot of different ways. One of the ways was that the Edomites at one time in their history invaded the southern part of Judea and took over part of the land of Judah. Some of them then lived there uh, in a land that they had taken back. They said it was their land, but they, it wasn't, but they said it was. But Mount Seir was the prominent mountain in this region known as Edom. Now, the word Edom means red, and Esau got the nickname of Edom because of the stew that he made that was red. So he, the word Edom stuck, and the Edomites then were the descendants of Esau. And they knew that the city of Jerusalem was under siege. They knew that it was going to fall, and so the Edomites came over from where they lived, which was on the other side of the south of the Dead Sea. So they had to travel a good ways to get to Jerusalem when the Nebuchadnezzar's army was surrounding them. And instead of being sad that their cousins, the Hebrews, were losing their city, they were pulling for the Babylonians. They were saying, tear it down. Tear all of that city down. Just tear the whole thing down. Raise it to its very foundation. They weren't sympathetic at all toward the Hebrew people, toward the Jews. They wanted them to be destroyed. And Ezekiel here is preaching the word of God against them. Because of this ancient hatred, you're going to suffer the consequences. God eventually brought an end to the Edomite people. You can't find any Edomites anymore. God destroyed them. But go back now to our psalm, Psalm 137, and look with me at the last two verses, because this isn't about the Edomites, it's about the Babylonians. O daughter of Babylon, who are to be destroyed, happy the one who repays you as you have served us. Happy the one who takes and dashes your little ones against the rock. Now, in the Psalms, there are several of these kinds of expressions. And there's a word for it. It's called imprecatory, and it means judgment. What the psalmist is praying for here and wanting 
is judgment upon the evil people. Now, you find some of it in Psalm 139, where David was praying and saying, talking about being formed in his mother's womb and how wonderful that was. But a part of that psalm, he's taking vengeance out on his enemies. Now, that is an Old Testament description of the justice of God. What he's saying here is, I want God to demonstrate justice by punishing the people who have punished us. But what the, what the people needed to do was not take vengeance in their own hands. They needed to release that grievance. They needed to release the pain that was in their life and even forgive. After all, when you come to the ministry of Jesus, isn't that what he taught us to do? He said in the Sermon on the Mount, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, here's a new law. Don't take revenge on someone who hurts you. Be kind to them. If someone strikes you on the cheek, offer your other cheek as well. Love your enemies. If you only love those people who love you, what good is that? Even the pagan people do that. Even unsaved people do that. So we now are under a higher code of morality. We are under a higher rule. And that is not to take vengeance, but rather leave revenge, leave vengeance to God. That's what he said in the Old Testament. And it's quoted for us in the New Testament book of Romans and other places. Vengeance is mine, God said, I will repay. So you've got to turn loose of your desire and your supposed right to take your revenge and to be grieved. To, to, you've got to release the grievance. You've got to forgive. You've got to move on. If you do not, and if I do not, we'll be stuck where we are until we do. It's a hard thing to do. And in fact, it's impossible apart from the grace of God, especially if the pain is so deep and it's been with a person for a long time, it's hard to turn loose of it. It's hard because it becomes a part of a person's life and they can't imagine their life apart from holding on to this grievance against somebody or some group of people. But if they don't deal with it, if they don't pray earnestly and ask God to help them with it and be willing to release it, be willing to release the grievance, be willing to do it God's way, they're going to continue to suffer. They're going to continue to be discouraged. They may scratch their head and wonder, why am I feeling like this? When the answer is, you're holding on to an ancient hatred or an ancient grievance that you need to turn loose of. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that it's going to be something that you can do one time and forget it. It may be a process. It may be over the course of time. You may have to say this over and over again to the Lord. I forgive them. I forgive them. Help me to believe it in my own heart. Forgiveness is an act of the will, but it also has to affect your heart. Jesus said, you'll be thrown in prison yourself unless you forgive those who offend you from your heart. Here are these ancient Hebrews. And they say, by the waters of Babylon, 
We sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. They longed to go home. They couldn't. But they needed to recognize where their loss came from. Recognize it. They needed to remember the good things that God had done for them and not get discouraged over the way things are right then. Remember the blessing of God, but also release the grievance and know that the God who sent them into captivity was also the God who would sustain them through captivity and one day release them to freedom again. And that's how you deal with discouragement.